Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories. I'm Jem Daduchu and what we're talking about this time round on Condensed Histories is the classic Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from 1985, Commando. And what we do on Condensed Histories is we take something like Commando, which is a very silly, blockbustery action movie, and point out how, particularly in this case, Completely by accident, there is actually real history lurking just underneath the surface. Okay, make it quick because my horse is getting tired. And what this will lead us to is a conversation about lots of different things. It'll actually, unsurprisingly, talk about multiple different conflicts. Most notably, we're going to be looking at a terrible conflict from over a century ago where undeniably the bad guys won, where war crimes were committed, and where a name was born. It's going to take us even further back than that, though. We're going to be looking at colonialism from 300 years ago, actually a little bit earlier than that. And also, we're going to be looking at 20th century warfare as well. And of course, in honour of Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando, I, Greg, behind the scenes, will be peppering this episode with as many Arnold Schwarzenegger quotes as I can. I'll be back. So if this sounds like something that's of interest to you, then come with me on quite the journey. Come with me if you want to live. I am a big fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger, or let's say his stuff from the 80s and 90s. And I want to do a quick sidestep away from this and say that in many ways, when you're looking at Arnold Schwarzenegger back in his heyday, again in the 80s and 90s, a good and modern analogy is someone like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Both of them will happily admit that they're not the world's greatest actors. Talk to the hand. They come from an area of physical entertainment rather than great acting chops. Danger is my trade. But both of them love movies and both of them have a natural charisma. Going back to the movie that really made Arnold Schwarzenegger a household name, and let's face it, his very first movie movie, he was in a documentary called Pumping Iron where he was Arnold Schwarzenegger, but the first time he actually got to be in a movie, which was Hercules Goes to New York in the 1970s, 
it's rubbish, by the way. He was billed as Arnold Strong because they figured nobody's going to be able to pronounce and spell Schwarzenegger. However, it turned out to be a bit of a boon. And as people pointed out, and look, yes, I am aware he did Conan before he did Terminator, but Terminator is really what set things up for him. And the thing about Terminator is, just very briefly, if you don't know the plot, you should watch Terminator and Terminator 2. Don't watch any of the other Terminator movies. Those are the two good ones. No sequel for you. But the whole point is that it's a robot encased with human skin and it's an infiltration unit. I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over a metal endoskeleton. In other words, it's meant to look like a human being and therefore it can go about doing its stuff. In this case, assassinate various key targets. This makes sort of sense if you're into sci-fi, but why would you want it to look like a six foot three bodybuilder with a thick Austrian accent? That's not very good infiltration. You want them to look, I don't know, five foot ten with a bit of a beer gut and be called Bernie and, and have an accent of the local area. That would make a lot more sense. But if you like, Arnold Schwarzenegger was a special effect. A lot of people don't realize, but the original Terminator was very low budget. It, it was brought in for about four million dollars, which even in the 1980s wasn't a lot of money to make a film, particularly a science fiction film. But he was almost like a special effect. Just him standing there in a pair of glasses wearing a leather jacket. I need your clothes, your boots and your motorcycle. <laughs> Just simply saying, I'll be back. That was as intimidating as all kind of ranty speeches that any greater actor could have possibly done. Indeed, I believe that Schwarzenegger in the original Terminator says less than 200 words in the entire movie, but each one of them counts. So the thing is, that was his big break. And James Cameron has gone on to direct some of the biggest movies in cinema history. He's a great director. Paul Verhoeven, who Arnold Schwarzenegger worked with on Total Recall. He's also an extremely well-respected, if controversial, director. The problem that The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is, if you want to just add up box office versus box office and take into account something like inflation, then still Dwayne The Rock Johnson wins. He's had more bigger hits. But whereas we could argue the Jumanji movies are his, something like the Fast and Furious movies that The Rock's been in are they his? Because when he did his own spin-off with Jason Statham, it didn't make nearly as much money as any of the Fast and Furious movies. There's no doubt that he added a lot to them from Fast and Furious 5 onwards. And so a lot of people have said that while the two of these people share similar sort of acting chops and basically you watch the same kind of movies being produced with them, whereas The Rock's produced more and they've grossed more, Schwarzenegger was actually pretty canny on who he worked with. There were a lot of very good directors that he worked with. John McTiernan, Predator, is another great example. What was the next movie John McTiernan made after Predator? Die Hard. And what was the next movie after that? Hunt for Red October. John McTiernan is a great director. So, yeah, there. So Schwarzenegger's been in better popcorn action bubblegum movies than Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Quality's clearly on Schwarzenegger's side. Quantity and money is on the side of The Rock, but I believe that Schwarzenegger has made more money overall in his career personally. Why are you so mean? 
Mm. It's worth remembering that this is a man who, before he ever became an actor, in inverted commas, he was uh, Mr. Universe a total of seven times. Only one other person has ever matched that feat. I don't think anybody's ever got eight titles in total. It's an amazing thing. So he, he got to the pinnacle, if you like, of bodybuilding. He got to the pinnacle of box office success, not an acting success, but he could open a movie. You just needed to know a Schwarzenegger movie was coming up and people would flock to it. And then he became governor of California, which if you just strip out the budget and the revenues and economy of California on its own, that would be the seventh largest economy in the world on its own. And while, of course, not everything went well for him, what was quite telling is there weren't huge amounts of outcry against him. In other words, he basically knew how to run it because, do you know what, he's also got a degree in business. This is a man who's managed to be excellent in politics, in the physical world of bodybuilding, and in Hollywood. He is not a dumb guy by any stretch of the imagination. And again, if you stack up those three things with The Rock, unless The Rock becomes president, and he said he might be thinking about it, well, I'm going to say Schwarzenegger's better in that aspect too. Who is your daddy? Anyway, slight sidebar there. Let's get back to Commando, shall we? And what happened was, as I mentioned, Terminator, big hit. Low budget hit, but big hit. Schwarzenegger's now got momentum. And so he basically picked up a whole bunch of movies where it could be his next thing. A lot of people forget, in Terminator, he is the bad guy. Of course, I'm a Terminator. Spoiler for Terminator 2, he is the good Terminator in Terminator 2. So if you haven't seen those films, really, double bill, Saturday night, you will be amazed. The point is he now wanted to change things and he wanted to be the good guy, but he's still a huge muscle-bound dude, so he isn't going to do some sort of sensitive portrayal of, I don't know, an artist, struggling artist uh, with AIDS or something like that, you know, this sort of Oscar-worthy type role. No, that just wouldn't be the case. So instead, a movie that was written about an ex-Israeli special forces man who decided to sort of like turn his back on this sort of stuff and perhaps a bit more of a highbrow drama on the regrets of his previous career was turned into an action vehicle for Arnold Schwarzenegger, where in Commando, basically, we see at the beginning a whole bunch of men just randomly killed. Perhaps the best known one is a guy just comes out to put out his rubbish and the rubbish truck turns up, garbage truck, and then the two guys on the garbage truck pull out Uzi machine guns and machine gun the guy down and he drops dead. I'm afraid you'd miss me. Don't worry. It's like, why, why is that? What's going on there? And a ship blows up. And anyway, lots of people are dying. And then we cut to Arnold Schwarzenegger chopping wood. And he's probably going to be one of these people who's going to be killed. And then he looks in the axe blade and he sees somebody's creeping up behind him. He's like, oh, this is when he's going to be killed. And then he turns around and it's his daughter. And it turns into two minutes of such sugary smolts. I'm warning diabetics, get your insulin shot before this scene. Because it is, it is. Each scene is like, oh, you know, they're eating ice cream together. Oh, she knocks the ice cream into his face and he laughs. And so we see the sensitive side of this massive killing machine. And so what happens is they try and kill Schwarzenegger. It doesn't work. So they, they kidnap his daughter and now he's got to do a mission or his daughter's going to be killed. And it all escalates from there. So in other words, we're seeing a little bit more 
of Arnold Schwarzenegger, the human. He wants to get his daughter back. I think we can all agree and empathize with that, that that's a good thing. You know, if you have your child kidnapped, you want your child back again, particularly when it's by a bunch of psychopaths trying to carry out some kind of revolution in South America. And I'm not going to go into all of it from there, but at no point is he really referred to as the commando, but he's clearly special forces. And I'm going to come on to the whole history bit in a, in a little bit. But, but first of all, I want to talk about a, a, a few things around the movie as, as well. So for starters, one of the men at the garbage truck who does the shooting and indeed later has hand-on-hand combat with Arnold Schwarzenegger, where he says, I'm a Green Beret. I'm, I'm keeping the language clean, by the way. This is very much an R-rated movie. I think it's, well, I, I think it was originally 18 in the UK. I think it's now probably considered a 15. It's interesting how ratings can move around up and down depending on changes of tastes, basically, in society. A lot of people die in this movie. But anyway, Bill Duke says, I'm a Green Beret, and Arnold Schwarzenegger's response is, I eat Green Berets for breakfast. And then promptly kills Bill Duke. Why do I mention Bill Duke? He's a really interesting guy. He's a director. He's a writer. He's uh, highly accomplished in his own way. But two of his best-known roles is this rather small bit part in Commando, but also he's in Predator as well. Only this time he's part of the team with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So both those roles, he's the one who ends up, after his friend dies, picking up the minigun in Predator and starts mowing down the forest with the minigun. Amazing scene, which actually is important. When people talk about sort of like mindless action, the point of this is all these muscles, all these guns, all this firepower achieves nothing in that scene in Predator. So it's actually cleverer than you think it is. The point is this, though, with Commando. Like I say, it was a bit of a reset, but it was very much in the mid-80s where things were blowing up all the time. To, to give you an idea, so Terminator came out in 1984. Then in May 1985, we have Rambo First Blood Part 2, which makes no sense as a name and actually is, is a complete betrayal of the original, very emotional and sensitive movie First Blood, starring Sylvester Stallone. But Rambo First Blood Part 2 is... How can you have a Part 2 of First Blood? makes no sense. This is where it becomes all gung-ho. And by the end of the year, I think it was October of 85, that's when Commando comes out. So, you know, if you wanted to fill your eyeballs with machine guns and bullets and explosions, there was a lot going on in the 80s. And it's interesting how these action films of the 80s and 90s have now evolved into the superhero movies. There's very few movies out there where action means getting out guns and shooting at each other. Perhaps the best known group of movies like that are the John Wick films which are brilliantly shot. They're very modern in terms of the, the way they are shot and the cinematography. Something like that would never have been shot that way in the 80s. But the basic premise and, and the basic action is pulled straight out of an 80s or 90s action movie for those. So a number of critics at the time thought that Commando was the better film than Rambo First Blood Part Two. But it was clearly not at the same budget as Rambo. I'm just going to call it that from now on. And it wasn't as big a hit. It was still a fairly big hit. The budget for Commando was $9 million and it grossed just over $57 million, So that's nearly six times its amount of budget. So, you know, well done them. That was a you know, genuine big hit. This is a time when movies rolled out indifferently and did extremely well on home video as well. 
So it's directed by Mark L. Lester. I talked about the great directors he worked with. Mark L. Lester is very much a journeyman director. It's not like he's Stanley Kubrick or anything like that. He knows how to put together a movie. And there's no doubt that Commando, when you compare it to the likes of Total Recall, Predator, Terminator, it's not in the same league. This is not grade A Schwarzenegger but this is a strong B. And if you want to see, and I would argue that probably Schwarzenegger was really well known for his one lines. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's right, Major, you did. I lied. And uh, for example, in Predator, he throws a knife into a guy's chest and says, stick around. These sorts of one-liners were very much associated with Schwarzenegger. I'm going to say more one-liners in Commando than any of these other movies. So yeah, that, that's great. Do me a favor. Don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired. But this brings me on to kind of one of those one-liners, but also something weird that happened. Again, linking the DNA of this movie to other movies. And that's one of the guys he's got to follow is a guy called Sully, okay? And he's sort of chasing after him in a car. And there's this sort of really distinctive steel drum music. James Horner was the composer for the movie. And I don't know, about... Six months later, I watched 48 Hours, Eddie Murphy's first big, well, it's his first movie, his first big breakout film. He's only about 21 when he did that film. And in it, they've got the same sleazy guy in it, Sully. They're obviously same actor, different name. And both Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte are following him in a car. And it's the same steel drum music. And I checked and it, both composers are James Horner. So he just basically cut and pasted exactly the same music for exactly the same scene with exactly the same actor in it in two different movies difference of a couple of years in terms of when they were released so I'm sorry James you're a good composer that's lazy the other thing is that the action I told you there's this revolution going on in South America by the way all filmed in California some of it's on off an island of California some of it is literally filmed in Beverly Hills this sort of great mansion somewhere in South America is just down the road from everybody's houses is the reality I believe the actual shootout in the mansion is in Harold Lloyd's The Silent King of Comedy, his, his old mansion. But they've got to go to Valverde. Now, if you're wondering where Valverde is on a map, Valverde was a bit of a go-to thing in the 1980s and early 90s for South American country, but we don't want to get into trouble with, I don't know, Colombia or Bolivia or wherever. So Valverde is completely made up, and that's in commando. Interestingly, everybody's trying to deal with the deposed dictator in Die Hard 2 from Valverde as well. So as you can see, there's a surprising amount of Hollywood DNA all wrapped up in this particularly solid film. Not going to oversell it. I'm not going to say this is a classic. But look, if you just want to see 90 minutes of explosions and Arnold Schwarzenegger one-liners, this is a pretty good evening out, all right? But there is, of course, history behind this too. So as I said, this is sort of linked to the concept of commandos and special forces. And I want to be clear. There, there is debate about this, but there have been special forces, unique units in an army that have a very specific plan of action and perhaps training. That's been around for a long old time. You know, if you want to think about the assassins of the Middle Ages in the Middle East, those could be considered special forces. Similarly, ninjas in Japan. Yep, I mean, I guess, sort of. Something really wonderful, the winged hussars. 
from the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth. That's not even a country that exists anymore. What are the winged hussars and what's a hussar? Heavy cavalry. So if you can imagine the knights of old, but this is actually more at a time like 1500, 1600, even into the early 1700s. So at a time when the knights just weren't, didn't exist anymore on the battlefield, but they decided to keep this heavy armour. It worked particularly well against the Ottomans. But the reason why they're called wing hussars, they had these sort of two things jutting out the upwards, like mini standards out their backs, which had feathers on them. So it looked like they were almost like angels, just covered in these white feathers. Really eye-catching and also slightly bizarre thing to see on the battlefield. But of course, if you knew they were the heavy cavalry and they're charging straight at you, and there was a very fearsome reputation of the winged hussars, then yeah, you're probably going to run away. It's quite a useful little psychological technique there. So, you know, lots of different units in lots of different countries around the world, you could argue, are special forces. But before you've got a regular army, I don't think you can realistically talk about special forces because what you have are the foot soldiers in one form or another and then you've got other people around them who are specialists whereas hodgepodge of a medieval army is just you know who turns up with what weapons usually now that's kind of how it goes but let's talk about where the word commando comes from and it comes from a group that don't really get talked about except for one event, which we're coming to the event, which I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. But I want to talk about the Dutch Empire, which 
a lot of people don't really discuss unless you live in modern-day Netherlands. And basically, they went out and started building an empire really faster and more effectively than, than the English did. However, they sort of slowly got overtaken by the English, and really the Glorious Revolution, which was no such thing, William and Mary in the late 1600s, led to sort of a kind of almost hostile takeover of that empire, and a lot of it got, got absorbed into the British Empire. But some of these Dutch traders got as far as modern-day South Africa, and they started building colonies there. And they got there in the 1650s. So when you consider what's going on in, let's say, the Americas in 1650s, you realize that, wow, you know, these Dutch traders really did get around a bit, didn't they? And some of them obviously stayed, some of them grew little towns, and some of them started to farm the land. And the sort of derivation of Dutch for farmer is boer, B-O-E-R. So when we start talking about the Boers and it's like, oh, we're going into the Boer War, it's like, yeah, we are. That's why they were called the Boers. And what is Afrikaans, that, that language from South Africa? It's a variation of Dutch, but particularly Dutch from the 1600s, not modern day Dutch. So it's a, it's a little bit mangled. It's kind of evolved into its own little area. They've got this very distinctive accent, which actually sounds more German nowadays than actually Dutch. But that's who the Boers were. And from pretty much the 1700 onwards, they needed volunteer military units, which they called commandos, which kind of means that the ones we can control and command, groups of troops. And... Yeah, obviously, from 1700 up until 1902, they've changed a fair bit over those three centuries. But if we look at what is usually referred to as just the Boer War, but is technically the Second Boer War, this went from 1899 to 1902. What was going on then? The British Empire wanted to expand into Boer lands. Why? Because they discovered that they had colossal amounts of both diamonds and gold underneath them in terms of mineral deposits. And so these pretty poor farmers, scraping a living on the surface, were sitting on an absolute fortune of treasure, in essence. Of course, none of this has got anything to do with the local black population. And so basically when South Africa was formally set up and made part of the British Empire, the local Boer community, the Afrikaans community, ended up running it. And when the British Empire was over and South Africa could run itself, they were left in charge and they created apartheid. And the rest, as they say, is a pretty unsavory story, which was finally dismantled in the 1990s. So let's not go there because it's just sad that this entire story. So what was the purpose for the war? Greed. And you got by then, by 1899, Britain is the world's largest empire against a bunch of farmers. So the farmers organized themselves into commandos, into little units. There's actually a book called Commando written by one of them. He was only 16 years old at the time. And I really do encourage you to read it because it isn't quite as critical as the British as you would think. But what people remember is the fact that you know, South Africa and just Africa in general is huge. So if you're trying to track down a bunch of Local farmers who know the land really well, who are on horseback, so relatively mobile for 1899, but also perfect for getting over rugged terrain. 
they were hard to actually find and their hit and run tactics which which are exactly the same as what we would call now commando tactics you know hit hit them at night cause maximum disruption then fade away that was what the Boers were very very good at now two things brought things to the advantage of the British one was the blockhouse system where basically pretty regularly like every couple of miles there was just these little tiny forts built which meant that they could spot the movement of the Boers also meant that they were really hard to attack in terms of hit and run tactics so that was something that didn't work to the advantage but the most shocking and disgusting thing is Britain started rounding up the families of these men because somebody had to tend the lands so the women and children were put into these camps. They're unfortunately referred to as concentration camps, and a lot of people say, oh, you know, forget about the Nazis, the British invent. They're very different camps, okay? The purpose of the camps in the Boer War was to collect them together. Now, people still died, but nobody is being gassed, nobody is being lined up on a wall and shot. You know, that's the Nazis. But if you put a bunch of people together in close proximity with poor sanitation, which is through incompetence, not through evil, you're going to get an outbreak of stuff, something like cholera. And cholera will kill people much faster than something like COVID, for example, or more exotic African diseases. But also there was malaria outbreaks too as well. It was an appalling condemnation of imperial power to just get what they wanted. They had no right to the land. The Boers had not intimidated or threatened the British Empire in any way. They hadn't declared war in the British Empire. Britain took what they wanted and they got away with it because they had a whole empire. There's a sort of moment where in the book, which is sort of like a series of journals and diary entries, the shock of this boy, this Afrikaans boy, when he realizes that some of the soldiers they've been fighting had come from Canada. And his thought is like, how can we beat an empire which is willing to ship people from across an ocean on a different continent? We can't win this. And indeed, you know, sheer weight of numbers generally helped things too. But within all of this, the Boers, as I said, really acquitted themselves extremely well in the fighting. However, what was interesting is that at this time, you get the start of special forces in the British Army. They realised that just marching troops in their khaki uniforms across the plains and savannas of Africa, those columns kick up a lot of dirt, everyone could see them coming a mile off. So there were a whole bunch of units, scouting units, which basically were snipers in heavy camouflage. Modern term, ghillie suit, you might know, where people like look like they're a walking bush. They kind of had something similar. It's not just a little bit of paint on the face. You know, they cover themselves in dirt and, and little clumps of grass and stuff like that. And they would basically lie in ambush for, for Boers. At which point, if the Boers are out in the open, you got some good marksmen, you're probably going to win that fight. Naturally, it's, you could argue it's counter-insurgency things. You could argue that the Boers are the insurgents. They don't have a regular army. They're sort of hit-and-run tactics. But if you can hit-and-run the hit-and-runners, that's countering their tactics. So counter-insurgency is you know, a term that's used to this day. So if you like, groups like Lovett Scouts in the Boer War were the starting of special forces in and out there in the world as a whole. World War One, you know, lots of people seem to think it's a time of no planning or innovation whatsoever. Maybe I should do an entire podcast on that, as I would disagree. But in that, we got two 
fairly well known. Well, one's particularly well known, the other one perhaps less so. But special forces are starting in World War One, perhaps more en masse. So by 1918, the Germans realised that they were going to have to do more assault tactics. Most of the war, because Germany managed to capture most of Belgium and a fairly large chunk of eastern France, a big long sliver of it at least, all they had to do is just sit there and it's new territory that they've won. So actually that's why something like the Somme was so costly on British lives because we had to do the attacking over no man's land. But as gains were made in 1917 and 1918, you get Kaiserschlacht in the spring of 1918, which was the last great German offensive. And in it, they had special units, which they called Sturmtruppen, which is translated to Stormtroopers. Yes, George Lucas deliberately used that name from World War One because German soldiers, it's, you're starting to think that the Empire might be bad, perhaps, a little bit militaristic. But what were the Stormtroopers? They tended to have early submachine guns, they had hand grenades, sometimes they had flamethrowers as well to two-man flamethrower units, and also particularly grizzly is, yes, everybody had entrenching tools, but they would specifically sharpen the edges of their entrenching tools, which they could use like a, a sharpened club, like an axe, basically. And these soldiers were allowed to work in small units and didn't have to depend on larger units around them, and so that they could do the sort of, not so much hit and run, but hit and control tactics. So they would come in, throwing the hand grenades, they would use them basically machine pistols or pistols rather than large rifles, slow reloading bolt action rifles, and they could overwhelm a front trench pretty quickly. And as the panic ensued, then bring up the flamethrowers, something like that. And the Kaiserschlag created this huge bulge in the Western front line. It was a very tense period. The Italian army also had the equivalent of the stormtroopers, and they were called the Arditi, or Arditi. And they were basically exactly the same thing, only shouting Italian to each other rather than German, okay? So now we're starting to see something that's closer to a commando. But specifically linking the name commando to a regular army force that's been specially trained was invented by the British in World War II, specifically in 1940. And this really is the beginnings of special forces. So thing units New units like the Special Air Service, or SAS as we would call them today, yes they were invented in World War II, they were given commando training. Extra training in terms of physical exercise, also in terms of different types of tactics, so rather than using large unit tactics, which an average infantryman on any side would have been taught in World War II, they would be taught how to use demolition charges and other things, and specialist equipment as well. And so now we're into exactly what we would recognise. The technology has obviously changed over the last 80 years, but we can now recognise that that's basically how special forces work to this day. Indeed, the commandos of World War II were specifically, and, and this is still used on a lot of their badges, and still used to this day, had a specific knife, so which they could knife people in the dead of night if they're trying to sneak up on a base or something like that. And a number of men didn't like the idea of this you know, really evil-looking knife. It's very slender-looking. It has no purpose other than to kill. It's, it's not something that could also be used as a tool in some way. You wouldn't sort of chop up your sandwiches with it. It's double-bladed. It's, it's, it's a nasty, effective knife. So there we go. The, that is the evolution from the time of the 1700s when commandos were 
irregular forces by the Dutch imperial troops and, and people, population of South Africa, all the way up to modern special forces, which somebody like Arnold Schwarzenegger is sort of portraying. I'm back. Now, it is also worth pointing out, just going back to Commando for a moment, but before I do, I'm just going to always point out... Listen to me very carefully. Please, please subscribe to this podcast. Please give us a review. And please, please tell one other person about this. If you're finding this funny, you're finding this different, come on, guys. I've given you something like Stand and Deliver. I did That's a three-minute pop song for the 1980s. I did a 35-minute podcast on. I'm proud of that one. I've done multiple ones on Warhammer. Yeah, shoving little plastic figures around a table. There's history to that. And I also was quite fond of the Scooby-Doo episode as well, because how I managed to extract history from Scoob, I was particularly impressed by. A bit like Commando, got to be honest with you. But yes, back to Commando now. He is a terrible Commando. All he, though he does all this creeping around at certain points and laying down charges, which is what a Commando would do, the way he uses his weapons, there's no attempt to try and aim. It's spray and pray, which no Commando would ever do. You either hit your target or you don't. There's no point just firing fully automatic. You ask anybody who knows anything about firearms and they'll say the amount of times you actually fire on full auto, which is where you pull the trigger and it just keeps firing that gun till it runs out of ammunition, is very, very rare. One of us is in deep trouble. Also, those guns get very hot if you're firing them like that. Also, he doesn't ever seem to reload either. So he is, it, this is pure fantasy at this point. There's a wonderful scene where he throws a grenade and he, two men fly up into the sky and if you you can see it there because they're on grass, you can actually see the little pressure ramps that flip them up into the air. It's all good fun, basically, okay? It does, however, have the, and you can but you can get the gif of this or gif whatever you want to call it on Twitter or what have you of Schwarzenegger tooling up for this where he's sort of strapping on the hand grenades and putting the knife into the sheath and putting on the camo paint and all this kind of stuff and, and to be fair again that's what special forces do they don't necessarily do it to cool music in that quick and but it's just an amazing little I'm going to say 10 seconds where you just, if you are a red-blooded individual, you're going to sit there and go, yeah, yeah, kill them all, Arnie, and which is the exact point of it. Not subtle, not politically correct, but it is all kinds of awesome. I'm going to end on that point. Thank you so much for listening to this one. There'll be a new podcast coming up pretty soon, pretty sure about that, and hopefully speak to you soon. Hasta la vista, baby. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.